Hello, hello, hello. Uh, it is Moscow Mitch Monday. Welcome. Uh, we are your Mitch McConnell Retirement Committee. Very excited to talk with you tonight. Uh, very uh, exciting live stream. Uh, and, uh, you know, the show today, uh, we're in a similar thread to what you've seen in the past. You know, we're going to do Mitch in the news, but obviously this loss of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, is the story that overwhelms and upends everything. Uh, so we're definitely going to spend some time there. We've actually got a bit of a kind of a tribute to her that we'll do. Um, Doug is going to be following Mitch's money, uh, obviously. We're going to be joined uh, this week in Campaign's Corner. We're going to have Betsy Foster with us to talk about health care, hear about how Mitch is failing us on health care. Uh, and then the interview this week is with uh, Mark Murphy. So if you don't know this name, you definitely know his Mitch. Uh, you've seen the cartoons. You've seen, uh, you know, if you're at all in the political space, his stuff is, is everywhere. He's the editorial cartoonist for the Louisville Courier Journal uh, and a fierce and informed critic of Mitch. Uh, we've also got updates on our campaigns to help ditch Mitch on November 3rd, our weekly in-person demonstrations, uh, which was Save SCOTUS Saturday, uh, this past Saturday. So we got some images from that. Uh, folks, folks, there's a lot to go over, but there are 43 days until November 3rd, only six weeks to have an impact on this race. Uh, this race. So do what you can, right? Uh, we've got plans, we've got programs, we've got stuff we're doing. If you want to pitch in to help us do it, uh, you can hit our Act Blue account right now, make a donation. Uh, please be generous. I, I know there's a lot of people fired up to, to help ditch Mitch, and we could use your help, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, let's go to our go to our amazing co-hosts today. Let's hear uh, who are you, where are you coming from, and what's your protest sign say today? And so I'm Aaron, I'm coming from Childsburg, uh, a lovely deed-restricted community just outside of uh, downtown Lexington. It says that on the sign as I drove in today, deed-restricted. I'm like, what does that even really mean? And why is that something we put on our sign? I don't know. Uh, I think it means there's a lot of rules living in Childsburg, but that's a whole nother live stream for a whole nother time. But uh, what my sign says today is uh, honor Ruth, stop Mitch. Uh, and then, uh, Kimberly, what, what have you got for us? Kimberly, you're muted. Kimberly, you're muted. Oops. <laughs> I have on here this wonderful, great sign right here on my phone. Can anybody see it? Can you see, can you see, can you see my sign? I can see it for a moment. You flashed it up there for a moment. Is this a, a sign, Kimberly? Is this a I sign? Was a, that... I was a flasher. 
um, is what I was. Oh, that's only because Ken changed it. It was sick, hashtag sick of Mitch. It was Mitch, Moscow Mitch, with the strings attached, oh, drawn nice. by our fabulous Mark Murphy. Okay. Can you bring, Ken, can yeah. you please bring it back? It's so wonderful. People are looking at it right now. It is wonderful. That is a great, uh, great looking sign. You brought in pro help. I don't know how I feel about that, Kimberly. You just like it's not your own sign. You you've got a professional who did your sign. Well, you know, when you have friends in high places, you know. <laughs> Nate, what have you got? Can you match that? I'll tell you what I got. I got some significant sign envy right about now. Man. <laughs> Hey, folks, this is Nate Orshan broadcasting live from Kits in my lovely house here in South Frankfort, Kentucky. And uh, it, my sign today says, Mitch Pocrisy, it stinks to high heaven. Nice. That's good. Mitch, uh, Mitch, Mitch Pocrisy stinks to high heaven. All right. So, folks, we have got, um, you know, we've got our signs. We've shared our signs with you. What are you doing for us? Let's let's see in the comments. What's your sign say? What are you going to be holding? Where are you joining us from? That's always really exciting for me when I look through the comments later. I can't look now because, you know, I'm doing this. Uh, but later on, uh, I do check out and see who's been engaged and uh, what the conversation's looking like in the chat. So please add your name. Where well, you don't have to put your name because it's Facebook and it's like you got your face there and the name. But you know where you're from and what's your sign say. And uh, uh, looking forward to some engagement there. Don't be the person that shows up to the protest without a sign. You know, like, hey, I'm here, but I don't have a sign. Like, well, that's the point of the protest is to show people what we're protesting. So if you don't have a sign, what are you doing? Although, although if they come to our protests every Saturday at three o'clock on Harrodsburg Road in Lexington, we probably will have a sign for you. We might, it's true. We're not gonna turn you away. Uh, you can definitely show up and we will find things for you to hold. If uh, if Kathy Ford keeps coming, we're going to have a lot of signs and they're very bright and they're amazing Ditch Mitch signs. So you can hold maybe one of Kathy Ford's Ditch Mitch signs if you are lucky, if you get there on time. Um, so, all right. Uh, getting into the uh, the news, though, you know, the, the, the loss of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious uh, RBG, very, very sad, very, you know, obviously you can't say that I never saw this coming. Right. You know, she's had a lot of health scares over the years, uh, but she's just been this just intractable force of nature on the court uh, and in our political landscape uh, for decades. And so I think we've got a little bit of uh, uh, you know, some clips that we'd like to, to share with you. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. The arrangement said to women, you don't count as full citizens, because if you're a citizen, you have obligations as well as rights. And one of the prime obligations is to participate in the system of justice. In the U.S. Attorney's Office, women were strictly forbidden in the criminal <laughs> division. There was one woman in the civil division. <laughs> and the excuse for not hiring women in the criminal division was, they have to deal with all these tough types and women aren't up to that. Hmm. And I was amazed, I said, have you seen the lawyers 
at Legal Aid who are representing these tough types. They are women. Sex, like race, has been made the basis for unjustified, or at least unproved assumptions, concerning an individual's potential to perform or to contribute to society. These distinctions have a common effect. They help keep woman in her place, a place inferior to that occupied by men in our society. In that case, we argued three things. One, that this regulation, if you're pregnant, you're out unless you have an abortion, <coughs> violated the equal protection principle because no man was ordered out of service because he had been the partner in the conception. No man was ordered out of service because he was about to become a father. I am grateful beyond measure for the confidence you have placed in me and I will strive with all that I have to live up to your expectations in making this appointment. Reminding the members of Congress that there is a First Amendment that guarantees the right to think, speak, and write without Big Brother government tell telling you what is correct speech. And there was a Fifth Amendment that protected us against self-incrimination. So just, just a giant. You know, judicial giant, a you know legal mind uh, without peer, and somebody who has truly you know, reshaped our political landscape in in many ways. So it's a huge loss. It's a loss to the institution. It's a loss to our nation, uh, and absolutely a loss to you know just our yeah uh, you know the 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 issues that she's fought for. Thankfully, she's inspired legions. Uh, to, you know, kind of pick up law books and to address the issues that, you know, people are most concerned about through those channels. I think uh, it's ama been amazing to see who she's inspired and how she's inspired people, even in this kind of, you know, most recent generation. Uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that, oh, yeah, some 85-year-old uh, <laughs> lawyer, uh, Supreme Court justice is going to become a cultural icon. But yeah, she absolutely did. And um yeah, uh, we're going to miss her. Absolutely. So, but what has it done to the political landscape? So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, I think for our Mitch in the news, we're going to start off with uh, with Nate, who's got a story uh, that relates to his sign, actually, I think. That's right. Thanks, Aaron. So my spouse and fellow committee member, Kid O'Connor, has been here on uh, Mascot Mitch Monday in order to, quote, thank, unquote, our senior senator for helping them learn how to spell the word hypocrisy. Well, sorry, Kit, but this week the word is changing to Mitchpocracy. So going back four years to February 2016, after the sudden and unexpected death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, uh, Mitch McConnell shocked a whole lot of Americans by insisting that the Senate would not vote for a replacement until the next president was sworn in, saying, quote, the American people should have a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president. I've got to work on my Mitch uh, icon stuff. Um, this is from a CNN essay we'll be returning to in but a moment. Uh, 
Now, according to Harvard historian Heather Cox Richardson, this had never happened before, and at least 14, 14 justices had been nominated and confirmed to the Supreme Court during presidential election years, and an additional three had been nominated in just, uh, the December after the presidential election. So this is something that's you know uh, has been done quite often. But Mitch didn't care about the lack of precedent, and the end result was that there was a freeze on interviewing nominees until the next president was in office. Uh, I don't know if we were able to get the video, but okay. So uh, here is a nice little video you're about to see from Indivisible summarizing the Mitch Pogracy. And as a reminder, the Mitch McConnell Retirement Committee is a part of Indivisible. Mr. President, the next justice could fundamentally alter the direction of the Supreme Court and have a profound impact on our country. So, of course, of course, the American people should have a say. What was wrong with allowing Merrick Garland to have an up or down vote? Uh, you don't fill Supreme Court vacancies in the middle of a presidential election. We haven't filled a vacancy created during a presidential election year in 80 years. This has been the history, this has been the tradition to not throw one of these nominees into the middle of a presidential election. So here we are with Justice Ginsburg having passed away just 46 days before the election. And unfortunately, Mitch is trying to use the lame, a lame excuse to, surprise, surprise, justify allowing Donald Trump to nominate a replacement and then have a Senate vote. My friends, this is Mitchpocracy at its finest, by which I mean going back on his own rationalization just to help his party secure a radical right-wing majority to the Supreme Court. And remember, these are the types of judges who will tell you with a straight face that the free speech rights of corporations make it okay for them to spend as much money as they want to affect the outcome of elections. Never mind that the power drowns out the voices of ordinary Americans. It's those types of judges. Now, if you've watched Moscow Mitch Monday for more than 30 seconds, this galling Mitchpocracy probably doesn't surprise you in the least. But this time, the stakes are really, really high. This affects the very legitimacy of our democratic system. But don't take my word for it. Take the word instead of University of Kentucky law professor Joshua A. Douglas, who is a renowned expert on election and constitutional law and a really sober, clear-headed voice on these kinds of issues. So this is what Professor Douglas had to say in that essay on CNN I told you about earlier. It was posted this past Saturday, November 19, September 19th. I'm just going to read a little excerpt here. Quote, filling the seat in the next 46 days or if Trump lost before January 20th, during the lame duck portion of his term, would take American democracy to the breaking point. Both sides would dig in their heels. At least half of Americans would never view a new justice under these circumstances as legitimate ever, he goes on to write. And imagine the horror that, that the presidential election result, should the presidential re election result in a dispute, Bush v. Gore style, that goes to the Supreme Court with a brand new justice confirmed under these circumstances, casting the tie-breaking vote. It's hard to say that the American democracy could recover. Uh, let's read that again. Hard to say that American democracy could recover. 
He concludes, McConnell and his fellow Republicans have the chance to show that they really care about American democracy, or they can push forward to grab power at all costs, knowing that doing so will damage democracy even further. So I guess this one goes out to uh, all my fellow Kentucky voters who may still be on the fence. Maybe you voted for Mitch in every other election, and maybe you're a registered Democrat, but you vote Republican because you think they're, quote, pro-life, unquote. Uh, by the way, when one party keeps shrugging its shoulders about our president's disastrous coronavirus response, which is responsible for killing close to 200,000 uh, Americans and counting, that party has lost the right to call itself pro-life. But whatever the reasons you voted for Mitch in the past, the risk of letting this man continue to threaten our very democracy is too high for us to give him another term. Please. Let's make 2020 the last year Kentucky allowed Mitchpocracy to reign supreme. From Oscar Mitch Monday, I'm Nate Orshan. Thank you, Nate. That was, uh, was fantastic. All right, so our next story comes to us uh, from Kimberly. Well, Aaron, speaking of judges, Mitch rammed through six new Trump appointees after failing to do anything about coronavirus. This is one more reminder that Mitch doesn't care about very much beyond his efforts to reshape the judiciary and install young, incredibly conservative judges in the midst of all of this. Um, it's also to help advance the Republican agenda to erode protections for workers, the environment, uh, women, rest in power, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and to staunchly support corporate interests every single time they've had the opportunity. Uh, we need everyone to wake up to this, like shake yourself, wake up, because you know what? Mitch never sleeps on the chance to block a judge he doesn't like. Um, let's go back to Merrick Garland, perhaps, am I right? And uh, appoint a slate of Federalist Society approved corporate law bots. Uh, and I said that very clearly, corporate law bots. Um, from the Yahoo News I was reading, I saw that uh, Ari Berman, the author of Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America, argued that it was McConnell who was obstructing key votes, particularly those dealing with election protections. Mitch McConnell has been blocking $25 billion in United States Post Office funding for 124 days. I said that right, 124 days. Legislation to Restore Voting Rights Act for 284 days and legislation to prevent foreign election interference for 328 days. He wrote, but confirmed six more extreme Trump judges in guess how many hours? Somebody got it right, 30 hours. Yes, within 30 hours. See, he doesn't sleep. He is the Grim Reaper. He doesn't sleep at all. So who cares if people are being turned out or forced to head to the soup kitchens or food pantries? We know that even before the coronavirus hit, Mitch had voted at least 15 times against increasing the minimum wage. And in his time as a majority leader, has never allowed a vote on the minimum wage. Don't forget, Mitch is not for us. He's for himself. 
and his rich corporate backers, which is not myself. I'm not rich and nor am I a corporate backer. So unless you're one of them, you really should not be voting for this man come November. Don't vote for him. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, you, I'm not gonna. No. You've got me convinced. I'm not gonna vote for Mitch. Uh, it, I, it's interesting though, right? You, so a lot of people just think like, oh, well, you know, he's our Senator and sure he's not awesome, but he's so powerful and that's so great. He brings this power to work for us, but he, he never brings it to work for us. You know, unless, again, unless you're like a corporate, <laughs> you know, CEO, then you probably have his attention and you probably are getting the carve outs you want legislatively, but no, he's just about his own power. He's just about reshaping the, the federal judiciary every single opportunity. Six new extreme Trump judges in 30 hours while he's done nothing on the coronavirus, uh, you know, re relief package. It's just, uh, it's staggering. And yeah, he, he doesn't care. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for sharing that story, Kimberly. All right, so one final story uh, for Mitch in the news, and I'm gonna just go there. I'm gonna talk about it, uh, the polar coaster. Uh, folks probably saw it last week, a Quinnipiac, I think that's how you say it, Quinnipiac poll uh, that showed Amy down by I think 12 points. So Mitch is up, uh, double digits, the headline screamed, double digit lead for McConnell in closely watched Senate race. Uh, so should we all be freaking out? Should we all be super depressed? Should we all just like, you know, stop this? We should just stop doing the, the monthly or the weekly live stream because, I mean, you know, Faye Accompli, like Mitch is going to win. He's up by 12 points. Well, you know, that same poll had him up five points, you know, the kind of few weeks before. Uh, polls are just a snapshot in a moment, right? Uh, and the reality of it is five points, 12 points, one point, whatever. Uh, the election's not today, <laughs> Right? The election is in 43 days, which I don't know about you, but I personally feel a little bit like maybe a, a hamster or a goldfish, like swimming around my bowl, like forgetting what I saw on one side as I go to the other side, right? Like my attention span is not that long. And I like to think that I'm an engaged, informed, astute, I'll say astute, I like to think I'm astute, uh, political observer, right? So I live and breathe this stuff. And if you're like most voters, you don't, right? Uh, most people do not care nearly so much about what's going on in politics. So the fact that there are 43 days for people to kind of make up their mind about who they're gonna vote for, sure, there's a lot of like calcification in our political parties. A lot of people are not gonna move from one side to the other, but there's this whole big chunk of people that really don't see themselves as like, team, you know, Democrat or team Republican, you know, there are folks who le very legitimately like, I like what Trump's doing. He's, you know, he's beating up on that Nancy Pelosi, but I tell you what, I don't like Mitch, you know, right? There's like, there are people who do not see a conflict there and will more than happily vote for Trump and also vote for, you know, not supporting Mitch. So I think our work is cut out for us, certainly. I don't think, you know, a 12 point, you know, lead by Mitch means that we should just you know, rest comfortably. I think it means we need to work really, really hard. We need to get good information out to people who, you know, aren't watching this live stream, right? So when you're watching this live stream, you have raised your hand as somebody who is engaged and cares and wants to do the right thing politically, you know, in my view. Uh, but what that means is you got people in your friend group who aren't like you either, right? You've got a lot of people in your friend group who, you know, 
would much rather just share cat videos than see your political posts. <laughs> uh, so what you need to do is intersperse with the cat videos uh, some information about why Mitch fails Kentucky. So that's what we serve to do. You know, that's our goal here is just to give the information because a lot of people just don't trust Mitch because right, he's like been there forever. And you know, he looks like he looks and he sounds like he sounds and he does all this nasty political stuff that is not appealing. No one likes, you know, the stuff that the Mitch Pocracy is not adored by very many people. Right. So the fact that you're bringing that up and sharing that information, you know, I don't think this is a good look for him. I think the very clear precedent around Merrick Garland versus you know, his statement about honoring Ruth's legacy in the first paragraph and how he's going to bring a vote uh, on uh, Trump's uh, nominee, whoever the heck it is, in the second paragraph. I think that comes off as really horrible. And I don't think anyone's going to go, yeah, Mitch is my guy. I'm so glad that he's you know, totally hypocritical and and trying to, uh, you know, ram through this uh, this judicial appointment. So, I, you know, I think we just need to keep sharing that information. I think that 12 points can disappear in a minute, depending on things that, you know, forces that are either outside of our control or the information that we put into uh, to the political discourse. So that's my challenge. That's why I don't get like freaked out about the polar coaster. Uh, you know, I kind of like the ride, you know, <laughs> um, but but I do think that uh, our work is absolutely important uh, over the next, uh, you know, next few bit. Remember, you know, when, uh, you know, when we are dealing with the coronavirus crisis and Mitch is doing nothing for us, that's not a good look for him, right? When, you know, he would prefer folks get kicked off their health care, you know, which we're going to talk about in a minute with Betsy uh, Foster, and when he would prefer that people get kicked out of their houses, uh, and we prefer that city or state employers go bankrupt rather than cover their pension obligations. That's not a good look for him, right? You know, so if you present that information to people, they are not going to be psyched about the, the leadership of Mitch McConnell because that's basically what it means. Uh, all right, so that's pretty much it for Mitch in the news. Thank you so much for uh, for tuning in for this information, and thank you, Nate and Kimberly, for sharing that information. Uh, now we're going to do our, our, our newish segment, Campaigns Corner. We're bringing in Betsy Foster uh, to talk about uh, how Mitch fails our Commonwealth on healthcare, uh, and a little bit of context for that. You know, over 30 years of health rankings. Uh, Kentucky has only once in those 30 years climbed out of the very basement, right? So going above 40th once to 39th in overall health, and then immediately we went back to, to 40th, uh, below 40. So we, we're in those last 10 states, those 10 laggard states in terms of healthcare uh, and health outcomes. Uh, we are not doing well. And that entire time Mitch has been in power. Where have we been? We've been just still kind of bouncing along the bottom. So uh, we're going to talk about the policies that get us there and what we need to do about it. Thank you very much for joining us, Betsy Foster. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be with all these wonderful people that I like so much. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the interrelation between the Jones Radio Report and the Mitch McConnell Retirement Committee's uh, Moscow Mitch Monday continues. Thank you for coming back uh, and joining us, uh, Betsy. But, sure. uh, you know, you've told us the last time you were on with us that, you know, you got your start in kind of politics because of healthcare issues. Right. Uh, you know, that was your per personal kind of stake in the game uh, and that you were forced to become like a healthcare expert around this because of the issues you've been you've been dealing with. So tell us a little bit about what you know Mitch has done for healthcare for our state. Well just a little backstory so everybody knows my oldest son is the oldest survivor in the world with his heart defect and that's why I'm involved in healthcare. And actually I have worked in the health insurance industry since I had him expecting to go back to school to become a psychologist. That didn't work because I had to stay in place because of pre-existing condition. Uh, 
So I moved to Kentucky in 1987 and I became an advocate for the American Heart Association and started going to Washington immediately to meet with Mitch McConnell every year on increasing funding for NIH and other healthcare issues. So even though it may seem like I've only been active for the last four years, I've been active for many, many, many years. Mitch never saw us. He never talked to us. He was never positive about anything other than tobacco leaves that were on his wall and those lobbyists. But going forward from 2017, when he came into office and the Affordable Care Act was in danger of being lost, I became extremely active fighting to save it. And I thought for sure we would lose it, but John McCain came in and saved it that one day with a thumbs down, which was great. But as I was preparing for this before Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Friday, I was thinking, I'm just gonna talk about the healthcare issues. But I can't, because one of the things that we need to realize right now that is in danger with Mitch, with President Trump, is because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we may actually lose our health care and the Affordable Care Act, which is what we have in place right now, and we have nothing to replace it. So instead of talking about what health care should look like, I'm going to talk about what it is and why we have to come together to fight to make sure that we protect the Affordable Care Act and what we have right now. So with that being said, we talked a lot over the last, um, through the primaries, whether, whether it should be Medicare for All, Affordable Care Act, throw everything out, change it. We're over that. We've lost that war. It is now, we gotta have healthcare period. So this is what we may lose on 11-10-2020, November the 10th, 2020, that is how many days after the election? Seven days. We may actually lose the Affordable Care Act in the Supreme Court. Now, I'm glad Mark is here. Maybe he can discuss this later. But one of the things, or these are the things that you may possibly lose if it's overturned. Now, I'm hoping that they can't. But there'll be 135 million Americans with pre-existing conditions will be impacted. The pre-existing clause will disappear. There will be no more protections for pre-existing condition. That is a part of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. And for people in Kentucky, also known as Connect. Lifetime caps on expenses could return. So somebody like my son, if they had more than a million dollars in healthcare expenses in a particular year, could be maxed out for a lifetime and not be able to have any more um, of their bills paid. That also could occur with somebody who's injured in a car accident or any other type of serious injury. Medicaid expansion, which we now know as Obamacare Kentucky Connect would be eliminated. 16 to um, 20 million people would lose their insurance. Those are the people who are caught in the middle. Adult students who benefit from having coverage through the age of 26 will not have that anymore. When my son graduated, he was 20, when he was 21, he fell off my, my policy and did not have coverage for seven years until the Affordable Care Act came into place. My child with a heart defect did not have coverage for seven years. Talk about stress, worrying about that every day. <clears throat> Excuse me. The financial assistance, which helps people with their premiums now, will be gone. Employers and insurers may offer coverage that eliminates different types of coverages, such as maternity care, prescription drugs. Gender differences could come back into play where they can charge women more than they could men because they want to charge more for maternity and other types of services. Most people are not aware that there are 90 essential services that are covered under the Affordable Care Act with no deductible and no copay. Those are things such as mammograms, colonoscopies, um, your routine health visits, vaccinations, and any preventative tests that you would normally have done through your life. 
those would be gone, not gone, they'd still do them, but you will have to pay for them. They would not be covered by insurance at all. Cost of coverage will be significantly more because it'll be based on your risk rating and your risk rating means what your personal health condition is. So the premiums will be rated based on what your health is at that moment. And that is unaffordable. We tried that in 1992 here in Kentucky doing risk rating and the premiums were more than a thousand a month. And that was how many years ago? That was a long time ago. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. So the reason I bring this up is because on November the 10th, 2020, we will have a new president elected, not in office. So things can still happen. We have a empty seat on the Supreme Court, which means we do not have Ruth Bader Ginsburg there to help us on November 10th. We do not have, well, hopefully we'll have some choice in this next Supreme Court justice, but it's possible that we won't and it may be overturned. We don't have control over that. But what we do have control over is Mitch McConnell and whether he returns to office or not. So in this particular case, this is the healthcare election. It is the healthcare war. The battle lines have been drawn and on November the 10th, 2020, or actually November 3rd, 2020, we will decide whether or not we're going to, which side of the war we're going to be on. And I'd much rather be on the side of making sure that we have insurance than not. So I'm hoping that everybody is going to vote blue, vote blue for Mitch and for every Democratic um, candidate that we have out there for Congress so that we can possibly within the entire country actually make us the majority in the Senate. So if something terrible does happen on November the 10th, we might be able to fix it before too much damage is done. So that in a nutshell is what I wanted to say. But with Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away, I had decided last week that maybe after November the 3rd, I would probably get out of politics for a little while, if not ever. I actually thought about that. Then she died and I realized she did this until the day she died. She was involved every minute of her life. And I can't give up and the rest of us can't get up, give up. So my new phrase is, you want to know what my sign is? It's put your roof on every day and get out there and work. And that's it. That's it for me. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Betsy. Uh, sure. Put your roof on. So that's 135 million Americans who yeah. will lose coverage uh, because pre-existing, you know, co coverage folks with pre-existing com uh, conditions goes away. 16 to 20 million Americans lose it through uh, Medicare, losing the, the Medicare expansion. So it, it truly is, you know, life and death. You know, right. this election means because the Republicans have shown they don't have a plan. Right. You know, all the, you know, the Trump blathering about the beautiful health care. They have no plan. Uh, they really never got around to the replace thing. The House repealed it again and again and again. Congressman here in the central Kentucky sixth district, Andy Barr, you know, enthusiastically voted mm -hmm. again and again. Every single vote the House had to get to overturn Obamacare. He was there uh, voting for it when it came to the Senate. Finally, uh, you know, when. John McCain, who was not, you know, some screaming liberal, right? He was right. like, when he realized there was no plan to do anything else, uh, he had to say no, right? Uh, he didn't want to, uh, but you know, the, the dirty secret here is that the ACA, Obamacare, it was a Republican idea, right? This is, this is how you get more healthcare for people from a Republican point of view. Uh, and so they've got Romney. nothing to replace it with because this is the, the best thing that Republicans could ever come up with uh, in terms of how to expand health care coverage. 
Uh, so it's, it's a little it's, bit disingenuous, I think, right, uh, yeah. to say that the Republicans are going to do something better for healthcare because this is this is the best they could ever have come up with Heritage Foundation, et cetera, putting their thinking caps right. on. Uh, and, you know, here, that's where we are. They have nothing better. You know, the Democrats right. have all sorts of things they'd like to do to tweak it, to make it better, uh, right. all sorts of other options. Uh, but if you want to keep this coverage, you've got to elect Democrats because the Republicans are just going to get rid of it and they've got no plan B. And still call Mitch every day, whether he'll pay attention or not, doesn't matter to me. Still call him and tell him you don't want him to appoint another Supreme Court justice um, before we get our new president. I encourage you to do that. But I really encourage you to get out and work for your candidates. And that means do lit drop, phone calls, texting, donate money. I don't care what it is. And if you're not, if they're not your favorite, it's okay. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to support them. <laughs> Because yeah. six more years of Mitch McConnell is not an option at yeah. this point. And that's the only other one you have. Put your Ruth on and get to Ruth work yeah. uh, 43 days to help our candidate win, right? Because this the choice is clear. Mitch will take away your health care. Yes. Amy will improve your health care, right? Yes. What do you want? You're, it's your call. Uh, there's no kind of middle ground here. I'm going to vote for the, you know, libertarian because yeah, libertarians are definitely going to have a much better idea of how to fix your health care, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I think we need to get into this game. I know there are a lot of people that were not excited, uh, about Amy's, you know, victory. There are people that like, no, look, Charles is actually campaigning on an aggressive, you know, healthcare improvement. Uh, right. And that was inspiring to a lot of people. Oh, well, he lost. I'm sorry that, you know, we did our democracy. He didn't win. She won. We know she's way better. So let's get on board here uh, and, and make it happen. All right. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about healthcare uh, and thank how Mitch you. fails uh, healthcare here in our Commonwealth. Uh, now is our call to action. So every, you know, every week we want you to do something. This is a digital demonstration. It's not just a bunch of talking heads, right? You know, you could go anywhere for a bunch of talking heads, but no, we want you to do stuff. This is, you know, we got to actually get active. Uh, and I think, you know, get your Ruth on is a, is a good phrase. What I want to do is defend the Supreme Court, uh, defend the seat. Uh, if you've not called Mitch's office, do it. You know, and I know it's horrible and he does not want to hear from us and he does not make it easy to get a, get a real human on the other end of the phone. But, you know, go make your calls. He's got seven offices. Call them all from Paducah to Fort Wright, uh, you know, here in Lexington. Uh, he's in Louisville. You know, get, get his, uh, you know, get his attention. Make his uh, staff write it down, you know, that you do not want to see uh, a Supreme Court nominee, uh, you know, approved before this election. Uh, and, you know, it's Ruth's dying wish. Uh, you know, you'd imagine that even somebody as horrible as Mitch would want to respect Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish. You would imagine. You would imagine. You would Unfortunately, imagine. <laughs> uh, you would imagine wrong. <laughs> because... and, and, and around the state, I'm trying to make this happen. Everybody who knows me like knows I like to make things happen. There will be some, and maybe that's what I'm going to call it, put your Ruth on actions to help these candidates win. So I'll be looking out for them. And I'm hoping I'll have some support from Aaron and the MMRC. Did I get right that time? You did. MMRC? Oh, wow. MMRC. Oh. Good job. <laughs> and Mark Murphy, I'll, Murphy, I'll be in touch with you too. <laughs> Welcome Thanks, to Mark Aaron. Murphy Monday. Uh, we've never had a guest get so many shout outs before he's actually even shown up. But uh... oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I mean, I guess we should bring him on. I really think that means we should bring him on. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye to Betsy. We're gonna bring on Mark. Uh, and you know, obviously, uh, he's somebody whose drawings you've seen, even if you didn't know it was him behind them. He's the editorial cartoonist for the Louisville Courier Journal. He's also an attorney. So you know, the the being a editor, the, you know, the, one of the best editorial cartoonists uh, is just a side hustle. Is that what is that, that's the idea? Um, and I did steal Nate's joke. Uh, all right. So uh, quick question uh, for you, Mark. How are you today? And what's your protest sign say today? I'm fine. I'm going to assume I've been unmuted. Because yeah, I'm used to it. Actually, I'm pretty good at this because at my house with my family, they mute me all the time. I don't know. They just prefer that. My protest poster tonight says state of emergency. And it has two meanings or more. Um, came to me because in Louisville, the LMPD uh, is, uh, declared a state of emergency for personnel reasons. Uh, this wasn't something the mayor did, but they canceled all vacations. They uh, canceled all time off, all leave. They've locked down the city. They've declared it from their perspective, a state of emergency because they clearly expect for there to be a decision in the Breonna Taylor case uh, here within the next couple of days, certainly this week. Um, but broader and more importantly, the state of emergency was brought to us by Mitch McConnell. Um, as I've said many times, Mitch could have stopped this, so much of this uh, four years ago. He could have taken the debate stage when there were 15 of those Republican jokers up there trying to get the nominee, please clap, um, and uh, the nomination and said, look, everybody, my life has been the United States Senate. It's all I ever wanted to do. I wanted to be the new Henry Clay, and I'm going to be the new Henry Clay. I have a legacy to build, and I care about this country. Any one of these 15 people on this stage representing, trying to represent the Republican Party in the presidential election of 2016 would be fine, would be fine with me. We'll get the majority, I'll be the Senate majority leader, my power will expand. Um, but he didn't do that. He knew that Donald Trump was an existential danger to the United States and to the world. He knew that the rule of law would be uh, diminished and endangered. Um, I don't know whether he even could predict that someday there'd be an attorney general um, who would um, basically uh, disenfranchise entire cities by calling them Antifa sanctuaries, uh, like our uh, Department of Justice, Bill Barr, did today. I don't know that Mitch McConnell thought, could have thought, maybe no one could have thought that far ahead to what has happened now. But the state of emergency, which is my poster, began when he didn't take that stand. And he allowed this man to become president of the United States. And then since then has done everything he can to help him. So it's not as if, you know, at the beginning, just like for about the first three months, the media, everything that Donald Trump did, the media said, this is gonna be his presidential moment, you know? And of course we all learned after about three and a half months that there was never going to be a presidential moment. So even the mainstream media um, stopped saying that. I think even Fox stopped saying that. Um, but there was still a part of me that made, that made me think, you know, maybe Mitch someday will be honored as a hero. Maybe he'll have his own, his own statue in Washington, D.C., because he's there to save us from Donald Trump. He knows the danger, and he swallowed his own legacy and his pride to be in the room to make sure that 
the worst didn't happen. Three years later, we know that's not true either, that the worst has happened. And it's been with the assistance of and the support of Mitch McConnell, not despite him. So when I draw and when I speak and when I think about this, um, to tell you the truth, we knew who Donald Trump was. And, you know, he, he, he will, I used to say he'll, the history books will describe what he did to us and what he did to the world. I'm a little bit worried right now about who's going to write the history books. I think we've come that far. Um, but we knew who he was. Shame on us. But there was still a reason, arguably, to trust Mitch McConnell's good faith and his desire to build a legacy as a statesman. And, uh, and I'm talking about three and a half years ago, Nate. Um, uh, that's gone. And I blame, I lay the blame at his feet. Uh, and I lay the blame at our feet. You know, Betsy just talked about the number of Kentuckians that are going to lose their health care, almost certainly lose their health care, um, depending on the results of the election. Most of those people, and I use the word most, statistically, two-thirds, three-fourths of those people who are going to lose their health care in Kentucky because of this election, they're literally the people that need the help the most. They're the people that are going to be bankrupt. They're the people that are going to struggle and decide whether or not they buy a new refrigerator because that one's broke or whether they're going to buy their insulin. And uh, I can't understand it. I can only think in terms of... Uh, the success the Republican Party has in uh, getting on the right from their perspective on the right side of the Bible issues and the um, uh, moral issues, the personal morality issues, the abortion issues and the gay rights. And they use these straw men as a way to gain their power. And that's why a person uh, making only minimum wage who already has had one back surgery in Hyman, Kentucky, is still going to vote for Mitch McConnell. Even if you tell that person, you don't have uh, uh, the protection anymore of even what exists in our healthcare system now. And I'll say one more thing. Kimberly should have told you about me. I'll say one more thing. And that is, I disagree every time Aaron, you, you're, you're smarter than I am and you know more about this than I do. But when people say that the Republicans don't have a health care plan, I disagree with that. I think they have a health care plan. And their health care plan is that no one has a health care plan. And I, and I don't mean that facetiously, because then we're all in the private market. Then hospitals and physicians practices and the pharmaceutical companies can all maximize their profits. And it's naked capitalism and it's survival of the fittest. And frankly, uh, I think if I said that to the Chamber of Commerce and to a room full of healthcare executives, they would probably say, yeah, I think that's about right. You've accurately described the plan. So there is a Republican healthcare plan and we, most of us suffer underneath it. Yeah, die, die broke. That's their plan. Uh, make sure that you know, they suck as much money out of us as humanly possible uh, between you know, the time we get sick and the time we die. Well, uh, that was, we, I don't think we even asked a question besides what was your sign say. So uh, we, got a few, uh, we do have a few folks queued up to ask, <laughs> ask a question. But uh, Kimberly, do you want to start off? Yes, I sure do. Mr. Mark Murphy, 
And being an attorney and a uh, cartoonist that likes to spend a lot of time um, making fun of um, Mitch McConnell, but I have a more serious question as a Black American woman. As this country moves into an authoritarian regime and we move into genocide, that's why this election is more important than ever. As we look over how Hitler took over Germany and therefore we had the Holocaust, people need to understand and realize, would you not agree that Hitler did not do it by himself? There were several individuals around him that helped that particular cause. And as I look back at history, and I know you're a history buff like me, it just seems like step by step the same thing. And we have this Mitch McConnell that is helping Trump to commit actual um, humanitarian uh, crimes. Um, against people of brown and black uh, color. As an activist, what can we do? As a lawyer right now, what can we do? Because most people that I've talked to and sources that I have don't even trust that things can stay calm and leveled and we just do our regular voting and GOTV until November the 3rd. Do you have a sense of something maybe brewing in the witch's pot? That's what I call Trump and his whole administration and Mitch McConnell, the witch's brew. I don't think that it's unreasonable to believe and I can't believe I'm saying this. And if I had said, if anybody had said this three years ago, you'd be considered a kook. I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that unless there is, when you talk about the witch's pot, unless there is an overwhelming, both polit uh, popular and electorally, electoral college victory by Joe Biden, um, I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that Trump won't leave the office. And he won't leave the office not like uh, a Ugandan president, and he won't not leave the office uh, like a South American dictator, at least superficially, at least on its face. Um, but the president's already been established by a Republican nominee, uh, candidate for president, that the, the lawsuits will begin. And this gets back full circle to the Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, uh, absence on the court. And, you know, it when we're talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg not being on the court, I think we need to continue to remember that there's two other gentlemen who are on the court who shouldn't be there either. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been through now in terms of um, uh, personality flaws and personal flaws and judicial philosophies. Uh, one is better, frankly, in a lot of ways than the other. But Brett Kavanaugh should be on the United States Supreme Court. And why do we still not know why Anthony Kennedy retired? when he did, with a son working at Deutsche Bank, who is all of the money uh, that Donald Trump has been laundering um, uh, for others and for himself. I digress. The election, unless it's such an obvious landslide, even then, uh, since Donald Trump has spent the last, and Mitch McConnell, again, supporting him. And, and the thing that's 
to a certain extent, it's even worse about Mitch McConnell is he won't say the things that Donald Trump says at his rallies because they're so ridiculous and outrageous, you know, about voter fraud and you can't trust this and there's all these things. But he won't speak against it. And his silence is complicity. Um, he stopped being a partisan a long time ago, and he's a collaborator now. Again, another word that you don't hear, you haven't heard the word collaborator since the Spanish Civil War or since World War II with the French. You know, um, so Mitch has allowed this to happen. The election will likely be thrown to the courts. And how many judges has Donald Trump appointed through Mitch McConnell? Is it in the hundreds? It, 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 there's a lot. There you go. And so all over the place. And, and you know, they'll be able to pick where the case is filed. Um, it may be in state court. Ultimately, it can always find its way to federal court. And if not, just like the election in Florida with Bush v. Gore, the case can end up in front of the United States Supreme Court. So we may have two or more justices appointed by Donald Trump, not just conservative Republicans, but appointed by Donald Trump, deciding whether or not the election that we're getting ready to have um, is, is was lawful and can be overturned or whether we need to redo. And all those things, all that messiness works in Trump's favor. The fact that there's even a lawsuit and there's even a question helps his supporters um, uh, feel emboldened. Um, you know, when I first started drawing political cartoons um, for the Courier-Journal, it's been about 13 years now. And to your first analogy, Kimberly, um, it would never have dawned on me or any other legitimate political cartoonist to ever use a, a swastika uh, or, or to make a Nazi analogy in a political cartoon. Joel Pett wouldn't have done it in Lexington um, because it would have been considered over the top and it would have been considered um, childish and easy and it not effective. But now there are legitimate parallels uh, to, if not national socialism, then to other authoritarian regimes and the use of a swastika, uh, the use of a comparison to Mussolini or the use of, you could fill in any number of examples, is no longer, not only is it no longer considered over the top, it's old news at this point. And you've got to come up with something different. So it was a long way of saying, Kimberly, I think there is something in the witch's pot. And I think that with the, an attorney general who's quite literally willing to do everything Donald Trump asks him to do. Because Barr's got his own agenda as well, which has to do with uh, turning our nation as much into a theocracy as he can. He's said this in speeches. Um, yeah, we're in trouble. Okay. On a lighter <laughs> well, now I feel like my uh, question is going to be a little on the uh, uh, trivial side. But, you know, you've been so you've been at this artistic side hustle for a long time now. And you've had the opportunity, and some might say it's the curse, of uh, observing the reactions to your political cartoons. So what I'm curious about is, have you noticed any changes in the way Kentuckians respond to your political cartoons over time? Yes, um, and I think it's the same changes that we've all seen with anything we say. When Kimberly says something, or you, or Aaron, or 
um, the organization you're with, uh, Nate. Um, it's, I remember uh, when the first person who taught me how to be a lawyer, he said, one of the most important things that you can know, whether you're a prosecutor or a defender or whether you're in a civil lawsuit or whatever you're doing, is that the person on the other side of the table is an opponent, but not an enemy. Um, the, the system isn't served if that other person is an enemy. Um, and I think the same, well, the same was true generally with politics. You know, both, uh, I mean, Kentucky, Kentuckians and I live, we live in Louisville and um, right over the river, there were famous Republicans who were able to reach across the aisle. And that's when you were arguing about whether or not tri trickle down economics was a viable economic theory. It's not, but at least it was an argument. Um, now, I, and I didn't start saying this until about, um, I think about a year ago, Nate, but uh, as for the reactions of people to my art, um, I have enemies now and not just opponents. And to tell you the truth, in fairness to them, I consider lots of people enemies. And that's not a, um, it doesn't sound like a very nice thing to say but I just don't think we're in a nice time. I think Mitch McConnell is an enemy. I mean, if you uh, already have a pre-existing condition, health condition, and you live in uh, Louisville or Winchester, Kentucky, and um, this man is going to be almost single-handedly responsible for you suffering the rest of your life, one way or the other, the stress of not having enough money, not being able to change jobs if you have a job, and then maybe literally suffering like, Senate candidate Charles Booker has almost died three times, rationing his insulin. Um, is Mitch McConnell an opponent or an enemy? I don't know. I'm, it's difficult for me to criticize if you say that he's just an opponent. Well, I think we had uh, your your congressman on the show in the past, and I think you know, um, you know Chairman Yarmouth was you know willing to call out. Mitch specifically is the person who has eroded our democratic norms and values in terms of the in the institution uh, more than any single person in modern history, right? So when you see the fallout of that, you know it's it's serious. That's serious, right? It's hard to look at that person as just an opponent. Of course, you know, look at it, Mr. Long Game, right? He's all about power and advancing power. And if you have the power, you use the power. Why wouldn't you? Uh, hypocrisy aside, but I, I do wonder, right? I mean. He and Joe uh, Biden served a long time together. Are they like pals? I kind of don't think, like, I don't think that's how Mitch views the world, right? I don't think Mitch has pals. I think he has, you know, pawns uh, and folks he can get stuff out of and folks he can work with. You know, he never spoke, as you said earlier, right? He didn't, you know, call out Trump for the danger that he was. Uh, people who are running against Trump were more than willing to call out how ridiculous he was and what a, you know, you know, buffoon and danger and, you know, uh, that he wasn't legitimate. Uh, they all changed their tune as, as soon as he won, uh, and all the very sharp criticisms that were leveled at him by, you know, Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz, and, you know, that all just kind of went away. But, uh, yeah, it, your point is very interesting. Scalia and RBG, you know, RBG, right, the fact that those folks who you could not find more divergent legal viewpoints and you'd imagine the po politics around them as well, that were, they were dear, dear friends 
uh, and truly, you know, appreciated and cared for each other. Uh, I think it's, you know, the fact that they're the, the, the two that most recently passed away, I think it does mark some sort of an end of an era to a degree. But I, one quick question, you're doing an amazing job right now, you know, telling stories and educating people in a way and, you know, providing levity at the same time that you, you make them think, uh, which I love. Uh, you are partnering with Indivisible to do a billboard campaign right now. These red, uh, big red billboards with uh, Mitch characters, uh, the, you know, the same Mitch you will see from Mitch Please, the cover of Mitch Please. Uh, and I would be interested, like, which of those is your favorite? Uh, which one do you think is the one everyone should see if we really want to actually move people and try to get, you know, try to get a few more votes our way, you know, the anti-Mitch uh, vote? What do you think is the issue that that really lands with more people? Boy, that's tough. Um, it, and it's a really great question. Which one would move the most people to vote? Um, and, and it's an interesting question, too, because, I mean, these are all everybody here on this Brady Bunch screen are political junkies or experts and or experts. Um, and I know when I was running for office, one of the things that people always told me is it's great that you have all these bumper stickers out there, but bumper stickers don't change people's minds. They make the person in the car behind them feel better knowing that there's somebody else voting for you just because they're going to. So it's, it's, a, it's an affirmation. So. I feel the same way about the, the billboards. I don't know. I don't have the uh, ego. I mean, despite Indivisibility's um, fabulous efforts and Sharon Fleck and, and all of those, Kimberly, they all work so hard. Um, in fact, I had, as I was uh, saying the other day, I, I've got, I had the easiest job of anybody with regard to the billboards. I mean, they negotiated these contracts all over the state. They, they, um, they had to deal with a, a, a sensitive artist. Um, they did everything else, except I just gave them the drawings. I like, you know, I guess from an artistic perspective, I like the Moscow Mitch hanging by the puppet strings. I just like the way that, I, I, honestly, and it doesn't kind of answer your question, I like the way it looks and sets up on the billboard, meaning that it's the most, and maybe this does kind of answer your question, I think somebody driving down the road, uh, they look up, the lines come out of the sky. They, they don't end at a border. And uh, so it's a little bit more of a jarring image. Hopefully they see that. And that gets them, that's what's great about the campaign is these people have worked so hard that they're everywhere and they're all, they're all red or they're all different, but they're all red. They all have a very brief message. It's a picture of Mitch. And then it drives people to the, to the website. It drives people to the stick of Mitch, hashtag stick of Mitch. Um, so I guess if I wanted people to see one, it would be the sick of Mitch. It would be the Moscow Mitch one. Um, it's the most visually attractive. And I think that would hopefully pique their interest to go then to the next one. It's like you have your favorite flow commercial on progressive, right? But then you want to see all the rest of the com progressive commercials. Um, you have your favorite Geico commercial. They're not all good. You know, sometimes the, the, the Geico gecko falls flat, but you still love him because you remember his other good work. And it's the same yeah. way with sports. That's great. That's so great. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of the Mitch Antoinette, or you know, the uh, you know the that that wig is so amazing. Well, I appreciate that, and that was the one I had to fight the hardest for. So I'll make sure that Sharon and the rest of the know that you said that. Uh, all right. So thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, if there's any final, very brief <laughs> comment you want to make, uh, I always like to let the guest, you know, any idea you really wanted to cover. Um, that we might have missed? 
I can't possibly imagine that anybody watching this wants to hear another word I have to say other than thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's been a blast. I've watched the whole part before I came on. I'm going to keep watching when I get off. So thank you very much. And by, oh, actually, here's what I want to say. Continue the good work. You guys are working so hard and it's very important. So good work. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Uh, you can hit our act blue on the way out. Uh, feel free to support the work. Uh, but I did want to bring on Kit uh, because we got an update on our in-person IRL uh, activism that we're doing right now every Saturday. Uh, Kit, what's going on? Welcome back. Hey, Ollie. Yeah, it's been a busy, busy time, hasn't it? Um, yeah. So here I am, not just soliciting you, telling you, please come on out. We, we had a, a in-person protest the last two Saturdays. I believe this last one we had maybe 20 to 30 people. It was picked up by WKYT, which sounds like WKIT, but it's actually WKITE because I'm K-I-T. So I know, I know I didn't pay them to pick up, pick up on it, but we're going to be there um, on Harrodsburg Road by Corporate Drive next Saturday at three protesting. We are kind of doing a little mini, what should we call it? Because we've been calling it See a Senator Saturday. And then would we call the last one, Aaron, Supreme Court, Save the Supreme? Save SCOTUS Saturday. Save, save SCOTUS. We're into at, uh, alliteration here. Yeah, down yeah, here. We've, we've had quite a conversation about it. Anyway, listen, here's the thing. I'm an in-person protester, all with the masks and everything. I like being busy. We just ran this incredible voter registration drive, and everybody was saying to me, okay, what more can we do? What more can we do? Here's what we need you to do. We need you to show up and protest. If you can't be there, get someone to be there by proxy. And then one of you is great, but if you could have like six, seven, ten of you show up, that would be even better. So here I am soliciting your help to come on out and let's protest on our Saturdays, whatever we end up calling it. And, and stay tuned, huh? Yeah, and if you've got an idea of what we should call it, you know, tell us in the chat. Like, we are and, more than happy to get your feedback. Right, and maybe we could even get Mark Murphy to put a cartoon of you. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there we go. There's some money-making opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I like think while I'm talking, which is really a danger. Anyway, I just want, I want people to show up. I want... As someone who moved down here from Vermont a couple of years ago, here's what I'm going to tell you. If you get outside of Kentucky, and I know you know this, people think that we are not doing the work here. Here's the truth. There are more people working harder in Kentucky than anywhere I have ever lived. And I am not exaggerating, trying to make change with their senator. It hasn't worked yet. It doesn't mean it won't work next. We're not going to do that polar coaster that, that uh, Aaron talks about. But let's show the world what we got going on down here in Kentucky, because I adopted this state. I love this state. And we are going to change this state. That's all I got. Love, Kit. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kit. All right. So you heard it. Saturday at three, be there or send your proxy. Uh, and we, uh, we now are going to go to our weekly segment, Following Mitch's Money. Doug Price has done the deep dive into the dark corners of Mitch's campaign finance to find some intriguing uh, threads to weave together into a story we call Following Mitch's Money. I would certainly be in favor of allowing states to use the bankruptcy route. During last week's segment, I mentioned the six degrees of separation. I realized that one can connect Mitch to various organizations, businesses, 
and others due to his quest for money, which he uses to create power. The more money, the more power. The more power, the more money. It is circular. I decided to check into the McConnell Center located on the campus of the University of Louisville. Also, following this preview, I will detail corporate and personal donations to Mitch related to the McConnell Center. In May 2020, I made an open records request to the University of Louisville in reference to the McConnell Center and specifically the McConnell Scholars Program. Additionally, I obtained a copy of the University of Louisville's 2017 990-990-T tax forms to the IRS. The McConnell Center was established by McConnell at U of L in 1991, and Mitch raised a multi-million dollar endowment to support its programs and scholarships. The McConnell Center endowment totals over $15 million, including funds from the UPS Fund in Civic Leadership and Education. The annual budget for 2019 was $1.2 million. Generally, there are 10 to 11 students in the program at any one time. Graduates include Scott Jennings, he owns a PR firm in Louisville and is a frequent guest on CNN, representing all things Republican. Kentucky Secretary of State Michael Adams, and I believe that Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron is also a graduate of the program. The initial donors to this program included RJR Nabisco, Brown Foreman Corporation, the W.T. Young Family Foundation, and the Island Creek Corporation for a total initial endowment of just under $200,000. I asked for and received a list of donors from 2016 to 2020. The largest donations were $75,600 from the Humana Family Foundation and a family friend who gave $22,500. Michael Adams donated $500 and Daniel Cameron donated $100 in 2019. Periodically, Senator McConnell will address the current group of scholars and tells them that the key to winning political elections can be summed up in three words. And then he writes, money, money, money on the backboard. With the advent of Citizens United making the giving of money essentially free speech, Mitch has raised whatever it takes to buy your vote, not in the sense that he pays for people to vote, but in the sense that he has unlimited funds made available to him to get his message out in an effort to convince people that he needs another term. He is working on his sixth six-year term, and he wants another six-year term this year. According to a synopsis of the program, the McConnell Center is not affiliated with any party and works hard to maintain its outstanding reputation for nonpartisan educational opportunities featuring leaders from across the political spectrum. The list of speakers Mitch has invited to the program is impressive. U.S. Secretaries of State Michael, Michael Pompeo, Colin Powell, James Baker, Madeleine Albright, George Schultz, and Condoleezza Rice, CIA Directors David Proteus, and Gina Haspel. She's a native Kentuckian. Chuck Schumer, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Supreme Court Justices John Roberts, Neil Gorsuch, and Clarence Thomas, former President George W. Bush, Senator John McCain, and former Vice President Joe Biden. The most recent and perhaps infamous donation occurred in October of last year. Christy Trout 
von Tatenhove, who was a 1999 graduate of the McConnell Scholar Program, gave a $250,000 donation to the McConnell Center. Her husband, U.S. District Judge Greg Van Tatenhove, presided over Jerry Lundergan's and Dale Emmons' criminal trial. They were charged with campaign finance law violations related to Allison Lundergan's run to unseat Mitch McConnell in 2014. A review of donor names amounts associated with the McConnell Center, Center funding indicates the following. Brown Foreman has contributed over $80,000 to Mitch and had lobbying expenses of $1.2 million in 2019. Humana has contributed over $131,000 to Mitch over the years and in 2019 had lobbying expenses of $5.7 million. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron worked for Frost, Todd, and Brown and Humana paid Cameron and Jonathan Miller $162,500 in lobbying fees. Also, Humana contributed over $350,000 to Kentucky politicians. Kentucky Secretary of State Adams has been the treasurer of a PAC titled Kentuckians for Strong Leadership. And that organization had total donations of over $1 million. $100,000 from David Jones who was a longtime CEO of Humana, $100,000 from a business owned by Joe Kraft. Also, major contributors of over $150,000 were the Kentucky Senate and House caucuses. Again, the six degrees of separation circle ties Mitch, Kentucky politicians, major donors, big business, and lobbyists all together to obtain legislation for big business. One last open your eyes figure. From 2008 to 2020, lobbyists and their family members have donated 2.69 million to our Senator Mitch McConnell. Meanwhile, we the people get the short end of the stick. 36 years of his leadership has not helped Kentucky, but certainly has helped the pockets of Mitch, which he shares with others in order to remain in power. We need to ditch Mitch on November 3rd, 2020. This partisan impeachment will end today. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful.
<laughs> We've had Love some technical you. difficulties. Bye. But uh, don't worry about it because it's at the end of the show. And who watches to the end? <laughs> right? Okay. I, I don't. I'm never going to see this. Everybody was dancing anyway. Get your roots on. Get your roots on. Get your roots on. Get your roots on. <laughs>